let's invite our speaker for this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the, for the fact that you are a living God, that you're a speaking God, and that you speak to us in our language, and we don't have to decode you, we don't have to interpret you, we don't have to figure you out, we don't have to discover, we don't have to research, we don't have to come looking for you, you came looking for us. You loved us first. Everything we do is literally a response to you, O oh God. And you realize we are made of dust. You realize we are not going to come looking for you. There's nothing within us that even wants something as holy and as beautiful as you, Lord. And Father, you came looking for us and you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to come all the way in our likeness, in the flesh, to understand us, feel our pain, walk our walk, feel our, uh, our, our loneliness, feel our anxieties, and take it to the grave with him so that we may live a victorious life day after day after day till you come and take us to be with you in heaven where we will live for with you forever in the joy of the Lord and the presence of your holiness and we will be able to worship the person we have loved and looked forward to all the days of our life speak to us Lord we have come here to hear your voice not to hear the wisdom of a man to hear the opinion of a man we've come here to hear your voice so from our spirit to your spirit remove all distractions disillusions and and discouragements and 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 get through to us lord if there's somebody here for the first time give them a spiritual hug allow them to know that they're in the right place speak to them work past their inhibit uh, their issues work past their fears work past their inhibitions of god and allow them to feel and quickly adjust into family here thank you so much for those who have made it this morning make this time a blessing in jesus name i pray amen so this morning i want to wrap up our three-part series on shalom we want to uh, finish it with part three and today i've entitled it peace talks peace doesn't stay quiet peace talks peace doesn't stay quiet Peace doesn't sit back and just let things happen. Peace talks. Uh, and the word shalom is the right Christian greeting. It is the right Christian greeting. In fact, you'll find it across the globe and, within, and even crossing three religions, uh, three faiths. This word shalom is packed with meaning, both in the Jewish sense and also in the Wikipedia gives us a better understanding of it. It's a, it's a word packed with the full blessing of God. You're not just saying have a nice day. You're just saying, you're, you're, you're packing it with may the Lord bless you. May he go ahead of you. May he cover you. May he, may he allow favor to rest on you. Are you a doctor? May he give you wisdom as you deal with your patients. Are you a teacher? May he give you compassion for your students. Are you an engineer? May he give you understanding and wisdom at it, at, from the creator himself so that what you create lasts long. It, it has in, innate blessing i-n-a-t-e innate blessing the blessing goes through and through it's a favor that extends to you through you to believers unbelievers and everyone alike it's it's incredible to live under shalom shalom the blessed but god says i have made peace with you so now you have peace with god and now you have the peace of god and you have peace from god and then now you want to be extending that peace to others. And in that extension, we want to end today talking about how the peace of God goes through us for, what, for us to become peacemakers. Jesus said uh, to them again, John 20, 20, peace be with you as the Father, in the same manner that the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. How did the Father send him? Sent him to make peace. 
sent him with an extended hand, a hand of fellowship, a hand, not a finger that points, but a hand of fellowship. Come, let me lift you up. Let me carry you. Let me take you. Let me take your burdens off you. In the same way the Father has sent you to make peace, the same way the Father sent me to make peace between you and the Father, I am now sending you to make peace between people and the Father. We are called to be peacemakers, not troublemakers, peacemakers. Past three Sundays, we looked at four of the six things I wanted to focus on. The peace we have, that's our right standing with God. The peace we speak, that's our blessing and benediction. We talked about that in the first uh, part. In the second part, we talked about the peace we present, that's the gospel, having feet ready with the gospel, always ready to share the gospel, share the good news, uh, have a Jesus conversation. Number four, the peace we extend, a forgiveness and reconciliation like a like, a, like, like an umbrella as people come into our lives, we extend that over them. If I have an extension of God's peace over me, I extend it over you. So you and I live under the same forgiveness that the Father has given me. Today, we want to look at the peace we broker and the peace we expect. The peace we broker and the peace we expect. So we're finishing up in, verse, in, in number five and number six today. The peace we broker. The peace we broker. God has called us to be peacemakers. Jesus said, Matthew chapter five, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. For they shall be called the sons of God. Critical, when God decides to call you a son, he's deciding to share two things with you, his nature and his inheritance. That's a huge reward for being a peacemaker. One of the amazing stories of uh, of peace in the Bible is in the Old Testament, and every Old Testament story is very long, so you need to bear with me. I'm going to take you through a very interesting story, and you need to bear with me. And uh, millennials, it's not about you, so you might get bored. Try and focus in. 1 Samuel chapter 25. If you have your Bibles, it's in the Old Testament. If you go to the New Testament, we could be here all week. 1 Samuel chapter 25. It tells the story of David uh, and a guy called Nabal. A guy called Nabal or Nabal or whatever you want to call it. And his beautiful and sensible wife, Abigail. And his beautiful, got that? And sensible, got that? Wife, Abigail. Okay? Now Samuel, anybody remember Samuel? The big guy. Samuel died. He had died. And Israel mourned for Samuel and buried him at the house of Ramah. David then arose, and David now in the, in the ranks to become king. He's about to become king. David then arose and went to the desert of Paran. He found a guy in Maon whose business was in Carmel. Carmel falls under David's jurisdiction, under the Judaic, uh, Judah jurisdiction, and then he is essentially looking to, covering, taking care of that whole area. Anybody in that area, con conducting business in that area, got a visa to that area, is under his general purview. The man, this man, it Moan, his name was Nabal, he was rich. He had 3,000 sheep. He had 1,000 goats in that day. That was the currency. He was shearing uh, his sheep in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. She was a discerning and she was discerning and beautiful. She was discerning and beautiful, but he was harsh and badly behaved. Nobody knows anybody like that. He was harsh and badly behaved. A Calebite. I don't know why he threw that in there, but a Calebite. And David hears about this guy, 
and he decides, okay, let me make peace with him. He seems to be one of the big guys in town. He's big business, you know, he's around there. Let me just let him know he's got my back. I got his back. He's got my back. Just a kind of a peace deal, you know, try to make sure that everybody knows if that everybody knows kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, so David hears about this guy and he decides to send him 10 of his young men uh, like ambassadors and he's telling them to go to Nabal and greet him in my name, David's name and say this and I'm reading from 1, uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 25. Peace be to you and peace to be, be to your house and peace to all that you have. There you go. Shalom, shalom, shalom. I hear that you have sharers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm. We looked after them. They missed nothing all the time that they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my 10 young men find favor in your eyes for we have come on a feast day. So they've come to do business, come to do something. He needs his kind of col collaboration. Please give whatever you have to hand to your servants and to your son, David. So he recognizes his eldership as well, son, David. So David's men do this. They go, they meet with the guy. When they showed up, Nebel was like, who is David? Who is David? Who's son of Jesse? I don't know any David. I don't, just brash. I mean, you don't get in my face, don't get in my business. Do you know any people like that? Don't point at them. Just, just, I just ask him, do you know any people like that? Just, they just never, on a right ground, never in a good never, you just You cannot never tell if they're going to be okay or if they are approachable. Mean, disagreeable, difficult, just unnecessarily unbending. Say no for the sake of not saying no. Just being difficult for the sake of being difficult, just to make your life a little bit more difficult. Just to feel that control over you. Nepal was like that. Difficult, abrasive, unbending. And he was like, there are many servants these days all over the place. They're all breaking away from their masters and everyone who breaks away from their masters, what, I'm supposed to look after them or what? I'm supposed to take my meat and my milk and my curd and my cheese and I'm supposed to give it to them. I'm not making this up, it's in the scriptures. I'm just trying to make it more interesting by telling the story. So am I supposed to take care of all of them? I don't even know where they came from. That's a twisted logic. If you go with that logic, you'll never make peace with anybody. So David's men, <laughs> they, they go back with the word. This guy kicked us out, basically. And David is livid. Now, you don't mess with David. We know he's got the ego of, a, of uh, 3,000 wives. Right? <laughs> David is livid. He's mad. He's ticked off. He's like, okay, get your swords. 400 men get your swords, 200 men come just to look after the baggage. I don't know how much baggage he's going to take, but 200 to guard the baggage, 400 pick up a sword each, let's go, let's go. So he's ready to take this guy down and show him who's boss. Then, once this word gets around that David's now got his little, you know, small SWAT team coming to take this guy out, he decides, uh, this one guy decides to go and tell the only one with a brain around, Abigail. So then one of the young fellows decides to go and tell Abigail that Nabal has been an idiot again. And we are all going to be in deep trouble with a potential prince, a potential king, that is David. He told her, this is what happened. 
But the truth is, we have been cared for by David and his, and his, and his entourage. And we've been protected by David's men all this time. We kind of owe them. Nothing went missing during their watch or under their watch. We had it kind of good. They were like a defense for us while we were under them and doing business under their watch. Abigail, do something. We are all in trouble. He is such a worthless man. The servant saying about this guy, he is such a worthless man. So Abigail goes to work and she puts a peace meal together and she puts a peace offering together. Incredible. You've got to read that long chapter that I've turned into one, one sentence. She puts a peace meal together and she puts a peace offering together. Cakes, figs, grain, wine, that kind of thing. Puts everything together. Loads up the donkeys, loads up the, the servants, mares, everyone. And she said, okay, you go on before me. Before, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband, smart woman. And, she, and as she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, that means somewhat subversively, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain I have guarded all this. He, he's just like, I shouldn't have done this. Why did I look after these guys? Useless fellows. They took all my thing. I looked after them. Look how they You know how guys think, you know, basically. That's how guys think. How could he say this to me? How could he do this to me? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who my father is? Like that. So he's spewing, his donkey is, 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 is getting, you know, indigestion just from the whole ride there. And every, just everything's bleak. Surely in vain I have guarded all this fellow in the wilderness that too. So that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. He's taking inventory. And he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David and more also. If by morning I leave so much as a male, it's a guy, male of all who belong to him. So our man's got a plan. He's got a plan. And it's, it's not a fun plan. It's not good at all. All right. When Abigail saw David, she hurried down to him, got down from the donkey, got down from the donkey. Are, are you imagining this? Are you there? Mountains. It's under dark. David's come down the guys. She's walking over to him. She's about to deal with another nuts guy. Another fellow who's, who's just, she's, he's all over the place. One day he's crying. One day he's happy. One day he's running into the temple. One day he's running out. One day he's on the roof checking out some babes. One day, another day he's killing 10,000 people and thinking of no end of himself. Another day he's writing a song, changing the chord to an E minor back to a major. You know what I'm talking about. So she's not dealing with another nice guy. He's, he's another piece of work. Hence, she was discerning and beautiful. It helps. It's not everything, but it helps. So comb your hair. And she says to David, on me alone, my Lord, on me alone be the guilt. Wow. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. She's talking about herself. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is his game. But I, your servant, did not see the young men that you sent. Had I seen them, it would have been a very different story. Whom you sent. Now then, Lord, as the Lord lives, as... 
and as your soul lives because the lord has restrained you from blood guilt because the lord has restrained you from blood guilt and and from saving you with your with your own hand now that let your enemies let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my lord be as nabal let anything that happens to them actually happen to nabal and now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly watch how she uses words, watch how she makes peace, watch how she negotiates, watch how she turns the attention of from emotion to future and promise and goodwill. Watch how she does that. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my lord is fighting the battles of the lord and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live you're a good guy listen to it if men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life and the life of my lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the lord your god and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling and when the lord has done to my lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince of it Israel my Lord underline verse 31 my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience dude watch what you're about to do because if you don't do it you will save yourself a whole lot of headache and you will save yourself a whole lot of guilt that's essentially what she said to him David stops in his tracks and for the first time maybe the first time he thought about it he thought about it we all need a smart woman in our life. We all need somebody who's not just beautiful, but also discerning. Who's also filled with wisdom. Who knows how to deal with craziness. Who knows how to deal with brashness. Most guys aren't looking for sex. They're looking for sensibility. Most guys are looking for a partner in their life. Someone who will think along with them, someone who will calm them down, someone who will give them perspective, someone who will be a sounding board to them. Young girls, when you're presenting and preparing yourself for marriage, prepare yourself thusly. Prepare yourself thusly that you will be a companion for marriage is companionship. Marriage is companionship. Sex is part of the time. Caring for children is part of the time, but companionship is all the time. And a man, I can tell you, heart of hearts, from the age of 10 to the age of 80, more than anything, he's looking for a companion. And when you don't prepare for companionship, and you offer what a young man you think is looking for, by the age of 25, you are now considering divorce, because there's no companionship. And it's not all on you. It's not all on you, but here's an example that you could prepare for. My Lord shall, not ha shall have no cause of grief and pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well, you, when you have dealt well, David, please remember me. When God has dealt well with you, please remember me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Here's a wise woman. Here's a peace woman, a peacemaking woman. Then David replies, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion. Lovely. Blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt. One woman, 
peace offering, food, kind words, holding her emotions in check, not dealing with the person as another nutcase, one nutcase dealing with another nutcase, for lack of a better word. But calming down and saying, listen, if you act like this, if you do this, you're going to save yourself a lot of headache. And David saw it. He saw the wisdom right away. He says, blessed are you who kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as working salvation with my own hand, trying to save the day on my own. That's what it means. Trying to save the day on my own. Trying to make amends on my own. Trying to fix everything on my own. You kept me from doing everything on my own. You allowed me to step back so that God could work on my behalf. I'll show you how God does that in just a bit. Truly by the morning, there was not anybody to be left to Nabal as much as one male. That was the plan. Then David received from her hand what she had brought to him, all the gifts, the figs, the whatever. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition king david obeyed her voice king david submitted to this woman take that feminists i don't think this woman would have scored high with the work feminists today they don't have the same wisdom either she comes back to, uh, to Nabal and this idiot is partying. He's got the bubbly out. He's having a great time. He's so drunk, there's no point talking to him. Clueless to what his moronic behavior has caused, she waits for him to wake up for the next morning to be sober when he's thinking straight, gives, her, gives him her, his eggs and bacon and breakfast and then he t she tells him the whole story. You know what really happened, you moron? You know what really happened? This is what you almost did. And on your behalf, this is what I did. And because we did that, everything's cool now. David's not going to kill you. David's not going to take your, take your men out. She waits for the next morning. She tells him the story. Ten days later, scripture says, ten days later, scripture says, ten days, in the next ten days, God struck Nabal and Nabal was gone. See, that guy had it coming. That guy had it coming, but whose hand? By whose hand? If David did it, and David thought he was taking care of business, he would have to face blood guilt and that conscience. But when God takes care of your enemies, when God takes it because you've had the faith to step back, to step out, to calm down, to center down, to have a decent response, to listen to the woman that God has given you, and you take that wise approach, God saves you a world of pain. World of pain. David hears about Nabal's death and says, <laughs> Did you get the tweet? Did you see it? Did you see the tweet? David said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. See, God will take care of you. God's got your back. He will take it. But his way is way better. Yours is done in emotion. Yours is done in anger. Yours is done in, in, in spite. Yours is done in vengeance. God moves in his sovereign will and power. And he takes them out 
Faith leaves outcomes to God and pursues peace at all costs. I repeat, faith leaves outcomes to God and pursues peace at all costs. You pursue peace, God will take care of enemies. It takes the, the character of God to, to fill you, the holiness and the spirit of God to fill you. Proverbs 15:1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When a person is getting angry, either you could poke him, make him, poke him or her, make her more angry, or you could say a word that just removes the gas, removes the air, softens that person. A soft answer. A soft answer. Where is the ability to speak softly to a person who's losing it, who's gone off the railings, who's, who's lost it? Where does that come from? It comes from a deep sense of personal groundedness. When you're not taking everything personally, when every comment is not against you, when everything that, has, that you have to now listen and take vengeance on, when everything is, how could you say that? Why did you say that? How could you? When you can calm down and not take things personally and actually objectively step back and watch the person. This could be your boss. This could be your interviewer. This could be your, uh, your uh, terrorist. This could be anyone you're trying to negotiate. It could be your spouse and on a bad day. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not repay evil for evil, word for word. I insult you, you insult me. I take a dig at you, you take a dig at me. That game does not work. Or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, underline, on the contrary, bless. Bless, why? For this, underline, for this you were called. For to this you were called. Brothers and sisters, you were called to be a blessing. You were called to make a change. You were called to be the difference. So God gives you that anchorage, that, that, that calmness, that centered down strength. Be anchored in the Lord, emotionally, physically, psychologically. And when you are dealing with people, you won't take things personally. You'll hide behind the cross and you'll be able to give them Jesus. Give them the words and the wisdom that God gives you in that moment. In that moment. And that, my friends, is wisdom. God doesn't give you wisdom beforehand. So that you can walk around and say, I'm a wise person, I'm a wise person, I'm a wise person. God gives you wisdom for the moment, words for the moment, in the moment, if you are not impulsive. To this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. God wants you to do that. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, you desire that? Let him keep his tongue from evil uh -uh, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Underline. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Underline, let him seek peace and pursue it. A peacemaker pursues peace. Seeks peace in any, any given situation. He prefers peace, he values peace over being right. For the eyes of the Lord are watching, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. For the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. One more passage of scripture, Romans chapter 12. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably. Live peaceably. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably. With all. With all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Ayay. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. 
says the Lord. He's got your back. He's got your back. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Even if it's your husband. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, God is going to win in the end anyway. God will win in the end. Peace will reign finally. So you have to decide what you want to do with that. God will win in the end. The last one, number six, uh, Paul, while writing to the Romans, he finishes up his 16 chapters. Incredible account of the, of the theology of justification and sanctification. Tell in how the Holy Spirit works in us and how he makes us like Jesus. Incredible book, the book of Romans. And he says, as he closes this up, he says, the God of peace. Remember the four that we had studied? He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Brothers and sisters, are you peacemakers? Are we peacemakers? Don't answer too quickly. Because we all think we are. At the crossroads of conflict, in the moments of despair, do we seek peace or partition? I don't want to talk to you. Just leave, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see your face. Say the nicest, beautiful things to the most love, the people you love the most in your life. Where you are. All the, all the gunk comes out at that moment. And we separate. Slam doors and separate. Are you that? When you say you're a peacemaker, are you that? No, I just need some space. I need some time. No, you don't. No, you don't. Do we seek peace or do we seek partition? Do we seek to forgive or do we seek to forsake? Dump him. Dump him. Dump him. Chuck it. Don't talk to him. Write him off. Dump him. <laughs> Let me ask some, some soul-searching questions here. I mean, if you'd rather break a friendship than fix it. If you're harboring and nurturing resentment towards a person or people, and gathering information to further that resentment. And every day you give a little bit of meditation time to that resentment. And you just want to remember how much you resent that person. And you keep that resentment alive. <laughs> You're nowhere close to a peacemaker. You don't know the peace of God and you don't know the peace of God through you. If you're constantly looking for a fight... You're, constantly, you're, you're more comfortable engaging with people in a fight than engaging with people in quiet sentiment in loving sentiment if you're always looking for every three days if you need to have an outburst if you're just piling up pressure cooker if you're just piling up you need to have an outburst and some poor person comes along usually your husband or wife comes along and they they kind of touch the little weight on top of the pressure cooker yeah that and they just touch it and and then we have to hear about it why what happened i don't know is piling up. Well, it's on you. If you're a person looking for a fight, if you don't balance correction with compassion, correction with compassion, like as if somebody's wrong around you is a, is a vendetta or is a, is a sin against you. Some of us parents treat our children like that. Like when they do wrong, it's against you, like all sin is against God. If you'd rather be right than be kind, you'd rather be right than, but I'm telling the truth, I'm, I'm right. Am I not right? Am I not right? Just, yeah, you're right. Go.
If you'd rather be critical than compelling, if you'd rather be critical than compelling, if you'd rather be, if you'd rather have the last word, no matter what you have to be, you have to have the last word. You say black because that other person said white. That person says blue, no, it's green. That person says no, it's no, yes. You just, you just have to, just have to be different. How many of us like that? All of us, all of us. Only your personality tells you how much it comes out. And the quiet types, they are the worst. They are the worst. Oh. Or, 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 if you keep calm while the other gets worked up, which by the way is very irritating to them. If you answer in gentleness when you're threatened or abused, if you answer in gentleness while you're threatened and abused, if you seek first to forgive and save a relationship, if you're willing to step up and make amends, you're a peacemaker. You're a peacemaker. All you got to do is step aside. God, God, God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Don't call yourself a peacemaker. Let others do. Don't call yourself a peacemaker. Let others do. <laughs>